we, uh, we've been praying about discipleship. We talked about discipleship. We've modeled discipleship and going and this and that. I just want to just remind you of a couple Bible verses about discipleship, okay? Listen, I, I got it big in that we named it Disciple Nations, and I thought when we started this thing, it was just going to be a bunch of DMM people, disciple-making movement people that would be on our team, and we'd all have downlines. I got three disciples, I got three disciples, I got three disciples. It just doesn't work out that way. I just want to say that outright. It, don't, it doesn't mathematically work out that right that way. And, and I don't think it should. It's a weird pressure to put on people that you got to make this many disciples and do that kind of thing. But there's no way around that we have the Great Commission. And it wasn't just for the 12. It was for everybody. Okay, go ye therefore. All authority in heaven and earth. Jesus can say that, I believe, post-resurrection. I don't think he would make that statement pre. He's now in a body that will never die. He's the Son of Man from Daniel 7, 13 and 14. He's there. Now I've got it. All authority is given to a human. I've got it over death. The last enemy defeat, I did it. So here's my deal. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. This is the primary thing I want to do during this age, is for you to go to all the ethnos, not just the United Nations 198 or whatever it is. It's literally all the people groups, and I want you to make disciples. And so you got to ask the question, if that's the big deal and that's what we're doing, what is a disciple? We use the word so freely and so whatever, and I'm not even sure. I hope I move the needle a little bit for you, with you, uh, for you about what a disciple is, but there's a lot of latitude in what I'm going to say. But I want to take the literal statements of Jesus where he said, this is a disciple, and not manufacture what I think it is within my movement, okay? I just want to read a couple statements from Jesus, make a couple comments, and then we'll talk. Um, Carl Davis is in my face about this right now because he's like every meeting he's part of here and some other places. He wants to know, okay, one year ago from now, have you moved forward as a disciple or have you just got consistent at the meeting? Are you deeper in the word, deeper in holiness, deeper in all that? He's like, do we have disciple making going on? And that should be a big deal to every group in the city but it's a real big deal to us, not because we're more important, but because we're so arrogant to name our thing Disciple Nations, you know? So if we don't do it, and it's easy to be the frog in the boiling pot, and we have the meeting, and this is the deal, and suddenly we slip into something that we're not. So what we're doing is we're praying in this season, rethinking 10-year anniversary of Disciple Nations. Are we doing what we're called to do? So it says here, again, in, in, uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. So what's a disciple? Let's let Jesus define it. Number one, in this passage, Matthew 28, 19, a disciple is someone who's been baptized in or into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples, baptizing them, dip-dying them in. I put in two because that's actually the Greek word. I wish every translation did that. It's not E-N, the Greek word for in. It's E-I-S, and it means in two. Okay, and, 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 and there's the nuanced difference in those prepositions, but for me, it's we're baptizing them out from something into something, out from the name of the Adam family and into. Yes, it involves this, dipping them in water, but really that's the outward manifestation of what is the inward reality. We want to see people baptized, dipped, died in the Father, in the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. They're not disciples if they've not moved out from Adam's race and into Yahweh in three persons. Does that make sense? So it is his name. It's not a ceremony. I cannot believe that. I don't see it in the book of Acts. It's not a ceremony that's being described here. It's a transition from one position of being in a family to another position. 
This is why in Christ, Paul's motif over 200 times is his primary message. So we're moving people out from Adam and into Christ. They're going deep in sonship to the Father, into brightership, into, into connection in Christ and all that's in Christ, and they're being filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we outwardly say with a baptism, there it goes. So that's a disciple is what Jesus says. Number two, we're teaching them to obey everything that he commands us. And I was just with some leader. Oh, Stephen Umber. Stephen Umber and I were visiting on the Pancrats back porch. And he was quoting some other leader whose people have been making this observation. But when did, when did making disciples become about getting more knowledge? Because that's not what it says. It says I baptize them into, I think it's an organic spirit filled into him, and then we train them to obey. Training and maturing and advancing in obedience is really what discipleship is. We should measure by obedience, and let me say this. It's not like, okay, now i got to memorize the 55 commands of Jesus. Okay, it's really the Spirit's going to help you do that, but Jesus helped us with this. We began the year with it. There are two, what's the first and great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the laws and prophets hang on those two commands. So if you want it simple and how you're going to be training a disciple, teach them how to love God and teach them how to love people and see and how they can measurably move forward, that kind of thing. There are Sermon on the Mount realities, how they deal with their eyes, how they deal with anger, how they deal with their bodies, okay? Those are clear, but obedience is clearly connected to what's being a disciple from Jesus' perspective. Number three, John 15, 8, but this is, my this is how my Father's glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove yourself to be my disciples. I think we should regularly not be fruit producing, trying to do it, but fruit inspecting. I think your primary focus ought to be on rooting. You're rooted in him, and then spirit manifesting comes out. But God doesn't want you just rooted in him in a secret place. He wants fruit coming out of you. We got some of those in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all manifest through our life. Fruit comes. So how's your fruiting? How's your fruiting that's coming from your rooting? Because this is really what it says. So proving yourself to be a disciple fruit-bearing, not attendance at meetings, not a certain amount of Bible studies or memorization. It's clearly that you're, you're linked into heaven, and heaven is manifesting out through your human experience. This is discipleship, and we got to figure out a way to monitor that. Because I'm telling you, I'm, I promise you, I've been part of groups and meetings that went from like 10 people to rooms bursting and I would get so satisfied and go, the kingdom has come. Look how many people are in this room. And all of a sudden, we were evaluating the kingdom coming by crowds. Do you know how off that is? It's a bizarre, it is really a bizarre thing. And it's just so easy to do. I'm not making fun of it. It's just easy to do. We've got to remind ourselves that it's people in him, learning to obey, bearing fruit. These are the, this is the crux of the matter. Then... There's three more that are about abandonment. I just got to read them. Out of Luke 14, 25, it says, Jesus had great crowds around him. And he then lets loose with three other requirements about being disciples. And there's no way around it. Verse 26, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, and yes, even his own life, what's it say? 
He cannot be my disciple. I'm like, that's intense. It just is. And I don't know what it means. I thought I've known what it means. It means like what I'm doing. Well, that's, that's not, I don't know. But I know that this is from the mouth of my king who wants me to be his disciple. And it, it involves how I relate with other human relationships and my own life. I can't, Jesus said, and he could have watered it down, eased it down, eased it up. But he's like, this is the way. I mean, I'm telling you, our population in meetings would not be as high if these next three were on the walls. They really wouldn't. We're trying to do everything we can to make everybody comfortable so they'll want more of Jesus. Jesus is not right. He knows he's wantable. He's, he's believable. He's eatable. He's drinkable. He's lovable. He's the best. He knows it. And he knows what's in your way is you and sometimes all your other allegiances in your heart. These are actually invitations to emancipation. I swear they are. Invitations to emancipation to get you out of your dick. So, if you want a disciple, you got to learn what it means to hate your father, mother, wife, and children. You'd be a bad dad, bad husband. That's not the point. The point's not that. The point is my primary allegiance is to Jesus and everybody's second. And that's tough to do because we love the people around us. Number five. 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? Are you grappling with that? Are you working with? Bear, not Jesus' cross. Jesus will bear his cross and pay for your sins. You don't do that, but you got to bear your own cross. And I'm just saying it's the same word for cross, cross. It's the same deal. So when you want to know what a cross is, you got to look at what Jesus' cross was to him. And it was rejection. It was some shame. It was some humiliation. It was, and it, but, but, but in its fullness, what it is, is his destiny. It's what God has laid out as his path. And it means a full-out death to me wanting to control what the will of God is for my life. And it's so disturbing to our schedules. Number six, so therefore, any one of you who does not, this is a big one, renounce all that he has, cannot be my... How do you own a car and do that? How do you own a house? I got three houses. I got one house and two rentals. What do I do? Do I hand it? I I can't really meet with Jesus and hand him the paperwork. I'm not, I'm being sarcastic and funny, but I'm not. We need to wrestle with that. How do I own in this rich country so much stuff and renounce it all? Because honestly, I can't, you can't water this down. We got to renounce, there's got to be a renouncing work. And I understand it's a heart issue. That is what it always is. I get it. But don't just quickly put it over to the side. You got to think through it. Everything's on the table. My hands are open. Everything is there. I renounce my right to have control over my house, over my children, over my money, over my time and my schedule. That's when you know you got a disciple. Not when we got somebody that's pretty pumped to come in the room and volunteering for a lot of stuff. And I don't want to dog that. God uses all that. But Jesus is not looking for volunteers to run little things to keep a thing going. He's looking for fruit-bearing, obeying people who have declared disallegiance to everything else. So, how you doing? How you doing? There's six statements from Jesus. I didn't make them up. They're just in your Bible. Nobody has to make it up and read You can redefine it. But that's the deal right there. That's it. You're baptized into him. You're learning to obey. Are you doing better in obedience than you were last year? Are you doing better in obedience than you were six months ago? 
Are you growing? I, honestly, I, I'm telling you, the amount of believers that are progressing in the gifts of the Spirit who are not doing this is shocking. It's shocking. He never said, I need more gifted people. I need people to speak in tongues more. I need them to be able to preach better. Me preaching better does not make me a disciple. <laughs> Having a ministry that grows. What makes me a disciple is at the heart level, I'm in him, I'm obeying better, I'm bearing fruit, and I'm renouncing everything. And then I'm multiplying that kind of species all over the planet. And so, are you a disciple? Growing in love, growing in the Holy Spirit with him? And are you exerting influence? Let's just go back, we're gonna end with that. There's no way he did not, he did not call you to an island to do those six things. He called you to do it and exert influence. Exert it and that kind of DNA on those around you. They're in your home primarily, but they're probably in your neighborhood. They're probably in other places, super, supernatural appointments, okay? We wanna help you do that. We wanna, I'm just saying it out loud. I know fully how to do it. I make them disciples and some of my disciples make disciples. Um, but I, I, I know this, let me just end with this. The law of the seed is inescapable. You will make what you are. And if you're a church attender, and that's where I grew up in a culture that was, kingdom mostly was, invite people to go to church with you. And, it, and honestly, I get it. I get it what it was. We wanted them to have a good experience. We wanted them to be touched by the gospel. But he never called us to call people to meetings. He wanted us to call people to our lives. I know that kingdom's coming when that begins to happen. I know it. Meetings will beget meetings. Lives will beget lives. And so I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I just want us to think through this deal. Because what Brock said is true, and we're a meeting-based society that's given a pass on about a thousand things because the room's full. And um, the Lord wants disciples to multiply. So how you doing? I'm, I'm about done. I'm going to ask you just a couple more times. I'm about done. How are you doing? How do we have a lab time about that? How do we do a lab time? Okay, I want everybody right now to renounce everything and prove it to me. I want, to, I want you to prove to me you hate your mama and you hate your wife. You doing it? You got How do we do that? So it's hard. It is really hard. I'm not going to act like it's easy. It's a tough deal. But we got to figure out how to get this kind of dialogue going that's not in a spirit of condemnation, competition, and comparison. It's really we're wooing each other along, but we're not distracted by what, false issues. How you doing with people who are mean to you and do not love you? Are you responding better than you did a year ago? People that are talk evil about, are you better? Are you more free? That's kind of a big question. And that's where we're going for in this thing, okay? So we're, um, our heart and vested interest is that they make disciples in Africa and they make disciples everywhere and you make disciples in your neighborhood. And I really think you shouldn't make a project out of that. I think it's boring. I think it doesn't work. My goal was to make three disciples and prove everybody I'm a disciple maker. What are you doing? Jesus is going to set you up with divine appointments and are you contagious? Are people attracted to the king through your life? because you are counterintuitive to everything that's the culture in darkness. Everybody's mad and hits back when they get hit. We're the people who turn the other cheek and shock people. It takes a miracle. 
Everybody's judging somebody not in their own tribe. Where are the people that love people? You know what I'm saying? And so may the Lord help us and help us to be disciples. So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus just to take truth and word and we don't need motivation. We need the power of the Spirit in our lives. So God, make, make us disciples. Thank you that we're saying yes tonight. We're all in. Um, we renounce. We want to be in you. We want to obey, bear fruit, and, 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 and really renounce all things except you. Lord, I pray that Wichita will be filled with disciples and not attenders. God, we pray for a real deep revival, a revival that's about the real stuff. And um, God, we're just asking that you do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Bob, come here real quick. As we finish, Bob's dad is really old. Is he still living? Yeah. That's good. <laughs> this is going to be an awkward moment. But can you tell the story you told me about your dad? And yeah, what he, yeah, it's fun. So, yeah, my dad has been through a journey of letting Jesus disciple him, especially in his older years. It's just amazing how that journey still happens if we surrender. And so my dad's 97 years old. He um, is in a really nice retirement home in Bueller, Kansas. And this last year has been under quarantine. And actually during that time, he was told he had COVID, but he never had symptoms. And so it was an interesting journey because he thought everyone else did because they would come into his room with these hazmat suits on. He goes, I don't know who has COVID. Someone must because they're always coming in with these. And they so, never told him that he, anyway. <laughs> no, we never let him. So we have, there's five of us boys and this about a month ago, he was, um, for the first time could leave the home and step out of quarantine and all this and we could go in and visit. So we went out to pizza, us five sons, which is just pretty special, right? And he's 97 years old. We're sitting in this little pizza parlor and just sharing stories. And so two of my brothers are sitting here. Two of my brothers are sitting here. Dad's sitting across the table. His hearing's obviously getting worse already, but he's just enjoying being in the room. And I, at one point, I just lean over across the table and I say, Dad, we are all sitting here with you. We just want to hear from you. What do you want to tell your five sons? And he leans across the table and he goes, pray. And then tears just start coming down his eyes. And it was one of those holy moments. It's like us sons go, okay, I think we just had a holy moment. Yeah. Everyone was just quiet. That was so. better than 50 of my sermons on prayer, wasn't it? <laughs> For sure. What about the inheritance thing? Can you say that out loud? No. I can. I, yeah, because it's a testimony to Jesus. This is an amazing story, you guys. When my mom always wanted to be a missionary, my dad was a, was a farmer, and so mom never was able to go to Africa, and she wouldn't have survived it if she had. <laughs> Probably she wasn't strong enough physically, but beautiful woman of God. She loved Jesus passionately, and so when mom died of cancer about 20 years ago now, um, my dad just said, oh, I would love if some of the inheritance God has given us could go to missions. And so my dad was a farmer. He had some land and some things. And it was just an amazing move of God's presence. We had five brothers that just hear this and 
pretty much in a moment, we all said, none of us need that money. We're all taken care of. Dad, send it all to missions. And so he sold his land, everything, and the land sold twice as high as any other land sold, and all his inheritance was able to go to missions around the world. That's and kind so, of a cool story. <laughs> a dad and five sons are disciples, and they said, we'll forego the inheritance, send it into the kingdom. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty special. That's real special. Yeah. Would you pray? Because you said yes to that. I might have wanted my fifth. <laughs> would you pray for us as we leave tonight? Whatever that is, yeah. to be in our hearts. Yeah, so King Jesus, we say yes to what you are inviting us to say yes to tonight. There's a place in each of our hearts that, yeah, needs to die so we could live into more of the fullness you have for us and so that your kingdom could be advanced on earth and the ends of the earth could hear the good news. And so, Jesus, we, we say, would you have your way in our hearts? And yes. would we, um, these words that Sam, Sam opened up to us today that are from straight from your mouth, Jesus. Would we just be able to receive them and eat them? And, and may they not, Lord, I just think, may they not escape us this week as we go from this place. May they follow us wherever we go, Lord Jesus. We want to be followers of you. We love you, Jesus. Yes. Amen. Amen. Great. Hey, as we end, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, would you please stand up? I'm not going to look around it. Now, here's the lab time. Um, be a disciple and go make some disciples. Be a disciple. Do Work on Ask. You're going to need the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to do those six things. We're just too addicted. We're too whatever. But he's ready to help us. And you're going to be able to set free to love him like crazy. The happiest people I know are crazy people that give up their inheritances. And never mind, the most, most neurotic people are people that are trying to hoard their money, hoard their life, and build comfort. They're very unhappy. Jesus is setting us free, not making us miserable. And so we're saying out loud, I'm just saying the 10-year anniversary, we're committed to being disciples and making disciples, okay? Everywhere and in Wichita. This meeting, you're going to see more and more restructuring where we're workshopping, lab timing, doing some stuff to help you in your discipleship journey. I want to help you. I don't want to give you more sermons. I want to help you in your process of being a disciple, following him, because the devil hates this. And so we're just recommitting to do that, okay? And so we're done. God bless you. Hug some people. Be led of the Spirit as you go, and have a great pizza.